greatest symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. executioner brother i'm gonna throw the book at you man the training the prayers and the vitamins are going up against the handcuffs and the nightstick and once i find you guilty boss man in the steel cage what are you gonna look like when thousands of my hulkamaniacs tell the largest arms in the world to push your fat head through the cage boss man there will be no mercy there will be no pardons i will sentence you to the maximum sentence a lifetime an attorney at the doom of hulkamania what are you gonna do boss man when judge hogan passes the final sentence on you Hello and welcome to the Hogan Era Podcast. I am your host, JP John Paz. And this show is, of course, a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. And a part of the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcast feed. And on this show, each and every week, we're talking about the greatest era in wrestling. Some refer to it as the golden era, but it is, of course, the Hogan Era. Without Hogan at the top of the mountain... At the top of the pyramid, you will not have the success that was underneath him in the WWF and in the World Wrestling Federation. Yes, you had Andre the Giant, you had Piper, you had Savage, you had Jake the Snake, you had so many other great stars. But without the Hulkster, they all don't fall into their proper place. You need that top guy, you need that tippy-top star to kind of bring everyone into the right order. So this week, we'll be talking all about the big boss man ray trailer big bubble rogers the big feud with hogan and the big boss man 
that really started in 1988 and ended all the way towards the mid part and a little bit later of 1989. Eventually, obviously, Boss Man a little bit down the road is going to turn babyface and they're going to have some tag matches together, some Survivor Series matches together, but we're not going to get into too much of that today. We're really going to focus in on this awesome feud and i feel like a lot of people may be kind of obviously familiar with the feud, but may almost overlook it at points because of the feuds that surrounded it the biggest feud of all time quite possibly hogan versus andre the giant was before it and then after it is another feud you could say is possibly the biggest feud of all time that is hulk hogan versus the macho man randy savage Ooh, yeah so what's in between is very very important but maybe overlooked, maybe forgotten a little bit because of those other two huge epic feuds going on at the time. So with the Big Boss Man, obviously he comes into the WWF as a heel. And if you remember, he was obviously Big Bubba Rogers. Mentioned him just kind of grew up briefly before. But so when they get him, to me, it's like, man, I can't believe the NWA let him go. I can't believe that... You know, like he wasn't a, a bigger part of their future and of their thought process. But really, maybe they didn't know what they had. They had so many other great stars there at the time. But Vince looks at Boss Man and he's like, man, this big, huge monster who's athletic as hell, who's young to business, but is a good worker. If you saw him in the UWF, you could see really how much of a good worker he was. And then when you see him in the NWA, you saw a little bit, but not as much. Then you go to WWF, you know, like, okay. I see potential, potential, potential in this young, big monster brute of a man. And I see an opponent for Hulk Hogan. When you look at like the landscape of wrestling and you're just looking at all the territories, especially at this time where he's kind of cherry picking guys and he's taking them from the territories and he's really taking the pick of the litter and taking the best guys like, oh, I uh, see uh, Piper and Valentine in Crockett. I want them, you know, if he can get them, obviously. You know, I want Terry Funk and bring him in. I want Harley Race and bring him in. I mean, you're bringing in tippy top guys. You're bringing in the best guys from all over the world to bring into your company this global phenomenon. And who is the person that is the most important to this global phenomenon? Obviously, besides Vance, meaning in the ring and who the fans see, and that is Hulk. So you kind of have to build around Hulk. And I know there's so many other guys and there's so much other importance around the BF at the time. But if you really think about it in the crux of it, the whole Federation really revolves around Hulk. And it's very, very important to kind of keep feeding the monster, keep feeding the beast, keep giving him good opponents. Because you, know, you can get bored if it's like, oh, Hulk, oh, obviously uh, he's going to destroy this guy. Oh, God, you know, who's this jobber? You know, who's this guy? But with Hulk, they were very, very smart. And obviously, they had to do a lot of Pat Patterson, a lot when Scott was booking, too. It was just a lot of different stuff behind the scenes that you, you don't realize, but they're all focusing in on Hulk. It's like, okay, who can not only feud with Hulk, which is important, but who can make money with Hulk? Who are the fans going to believe and buy as a credible opponent for Hulk? Whether Hulk is getting beat up, whether Hulk is uh, you know, fighting back, whether Hulk is fighting them for the title. Usually, and at this point, obviously, he's going to have a 1,500-day title run. So it's not Chase. That's not the WWF motto. Well, they have the babyface chasing the heel champion. Their motto is, or model, is really 
okay, you got your babyface champion. Feed him with monsters. Feed him with credible opponents. Feed him with guys that you think he's going to lose to, but you're hoping, praying, and wishing in the end he comes out the victor, which nine times out of ten for the Hulkster, especially in that period, he did. But if you think about it, if he didn't do that, they wouldn't have been as popular and you're not making as much money and you're not making as merchandise and you're not as mainstream and video games and LJNs and everything else that comes with Hulkster and Hulkamaniac and selling merch and licensing deals and all that other stuff. So if you don't do that and you change up the model and you do the chase, it's like, I don't know if it's going to be as successful. It worked for Vince senior works for Vince junior. Why change up the model? Why do that at all? So it feels like Bossman is brought in because, hey, Hulk needs some credible opponents. We need some guys where I think Hulk can make money with. So Mr. McMahon creates this big Bossman character, and he's a heel, and he's a monster, and he's going to feud with Hogan. He's all about law and order. He's all about really kind of just destroying Hulkamania and everything he's all about. But if you think about it, what is going to happen when they lock up, what's going to happen when they lock horns? I remember as a young fan, when I first saw Boston, I was like, oh man, like, I know you're beating Andre and stuff, but this is a different type of cat here. I mean, this guy's athletic, he's mobile, he's bigger than Hulk, he throws a great right hand, he looks like he could just squash the Hulkster. I feel like, you know, even then, it's like, you see the giant heels, and you see the predicament they could put Hogan in, but each one of them, to me, always brought like kind of a different element of danger for hulk like you didn't quite know as a young fan if hulk was going to win you thought he might you thought he could you hoped he would but you just didn't know so the big boss man comes in in 88 and then he just you know basically it's pushed to the top of the card right away i mean he's, he's kind of feuding with hogan almost right away really and with a boss man i think to me you saw him in nwa you know maybe some in uwf be some in nwa and you're like man i think this guy is money so with vince it's not one of those things where it's like oh, i can't believe you pushed this guy right away it actually kind of makes perfect sense because he just looks like money and it just looks like like my god like uh, this is um this is easy this is a slam dunk this guy is a credible opponent for hulk i believe it i think this guy is gonna you know be a maybe not a world champion but a world title contender he's a main event guy he's a main event player doesn't always happen especially in wbf where you bring a guy in right away and they elevate him up the card but basically he makes his debut may 7th of 88 he beats lenny poffo on a house show but it's like okay where's he gonna go from there by september he's already feuding with hulk so he's already way up the card and by september 19th so basically a little bit less than four months or excuse me a little bit over four months he's fighting hulk at a house show in their main eventing in new haven connecticut so it's not that long of a real period there i mean four months bing bang boom you're up the top of the card that's pretty damn impressive and four months into the wbf and you're facing the top of the mountain the most popular guy in wrestling the babe roof of wrestling the money maker the cash cow for wbf Hulk Hogan. So pretty awesome kind of meteoric rise, I guess so you could say, for uh, Bossman just to hop in right away. So to me, so many great matches between these two. You could see the chemistry from right off the bat, and it's great that Hulk saw something in him because you know, as a younger guy, he's a big guy. What can we do with him? Boom. Going to have a few of them, and we're going to have great matches. We're going to tear it up. But to think about it, Okay, one thing to have good matches. The other thing that's the most important thing in wrestling is it's called the wrestling business. It's called the wrestling business for a reason because the 
keyword business is about making money and doing whatever you can to make money. And boss man was big money. These house show matches, they were selling out everywhere, you know, whether they're going to Illinois or whether they're going to Canada, whether they're going to Indiana, where they're like, I just said, New Haven, Connecticut, Miami, Florida, Toronto, Ontario, Philly, MSG, Boston garden, wherever it is, Hogan and boss men are selling out and they're making big money. This is of course, when you're at the height of house shows, they are super important. They are the real draws and money makers, whether it's merchandising, whether it's just the live gate, whether it's selling these tickets, putting those butts in the seats. House shows were very, very important. And that was a big part of the business and a big part of making money because nowadays you're making money off the TV rights. It wasn't like that back then. You had to draw houses and you had to make money at the gates. That's why it's so important to have a good Hogan opponent. That's why you need to keep feeding the beast because you know Hogan's going to do his end and people are going to be interested. But you have to have the opponent, you know, as, as a kid, you're like, damn, or even as any time as a fan, you're like, damn, okay, I'm interested in Boston, boss man Hogan. He's legit. He's a main event guy. I want to see him and Hogan, Let's see if Hogan can beat him. He might start beating him by count for a while or DQ, or and, and that's really how it starts off for a few months during their feud, and especially during the house show run. They kept them strong, and that's something different that you don't see a lot of days hardly anymore it's like keeping guys strong on the house shows just look at all the house show results with hogan and boss man he's not beating boss man it's either count out or dq so even in these fans eyes they're going to keep wanting to come back keep wanting to see if hogan can actually beat this guy pin this guy and actually defeat the boss man instead of just doing the dq and the count out finish which is great because it's keeping boss man strong and, and psychologically you're thinking man i don't know if he could pin this guy so I just think that is great. And then you're also thinking, wow, boss man is such an asshole. He's cheating to win. He's winning by count out or he's losing by count. You know, there's all these different kind of ways to go about it. But bottom line, keeping boss man strong because he's going to be that key for you. Like I said, the glue guy, there's a feud that's going to happen with macho man that is on the horizon and they're building up the mega powers and they want them to explode. And it's going to lead to WrestleMania five. What are you doing between then? You can't just do nothing and have the fans be disinterested and not make money and then just expect, oh, boom, Hogan and Savage are feuding. Everyone show up and be interested in WrestleMania 5. It doesn't make sense. You have to have something in between that the fans are going to bite into, the fans are going to be interested in, and you're going to have to hook them. And they hooked them with the big boss man feud. Yes, he eventually starts teaming with Hakeem, a.k.a. Akeem, which is funny because in an old uh, interview with, with the Slickster, I'm always thinking Hakeem because that's just the way I pronounce it. Hakeem Olajuwon, whatever. I know it's Hakeem, but I just always call it Hakeem. I don't know. I have no idea why. It just <laughs> stuck in my brain. One of those things that you just can't change. Uh, and it was funny in an interview with Slick. He goes, Akeem, Akeem. He's like, obviously, we know uh, George Gray. One man gang is Akeem. But uh, I digress here. They put that team together. Awesome team. The Twin Towers, as Slick would say. And you have two huge guys, two monster guys, two guys you're invested in as top level main event heel, a uh, heel um, top of the card guys, a heel feud to go against Hogan and, and even Savage at this point. So between WrestleMania four and five, you got Hogan kind of weaning off of the Andre, the giant feud and heading towards the macho man feud. And this boss man, twin towers, Akeem, feud with the slickster involved is kind of the in-between feud and it's awesome i love that because it's like wow you're gonna feud with the biggest guy in the company for basically almost a year 
you know, it basically starts in September of 88, ends in June of 89. So it's almost a year, you know, nine months or so that they're going to feud. And it's going to be a very, very important nine months because if, as we've talked about before in the Macho Man episode, WrestleMania that year, WrestleMania 5, draws 750,000 plus buys, which is the biggest ever up until that point on pay-per-view. So people were so interested in WWF. They were so hot at this point. Savage is the world champion after he just won the tournament of WrestleMania 4. A little bit of thanks to Hulkster, of course. But the big feud was the Mega Powers and the Mega Bucks. But then right after that, it's Boss Man and Hogan. It's the Mega Powers and the Twin Towers, which as we go through some really good stuff in Philly with Hogan and Boss Man, Hogan, of course, like I mentioned, on the prison network in Philly, beats him by Canada. So he beats Boss Man by Canada, which leads up to Survivor Series 1988, 11 24 88 to be exact. About a half hour match. I love this match from Richfield, Ohio, the Richfield Coliseum. And people laugh at me, and I know my friends always say that you're crazy, but this is my favorite Survivor Series team of all time. The Mega Powers, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage, Coco Beware, Hillbilly Jim, and Hercules. Man, I love that team. It is the perfect team. First of all, Hogan and Savage, two gods of wrestling, probably the two of the greatest of all time. You want to say t- two of the top five, two of the top three, whatever you want to say, but they're two of the best of all time. Anybody teaming with them after that is still going to be one of the greatest teams of all time because Hogan and Savage are on a damn team together. Come on, people. So then you throw in Coco, who's that perfect lower card guy who could take a, a pinfall. He could take a beating, but he'll also get the crowd into it. The crazy's over, and whoever beats him will get some more heat leading into Hogan and Savage. When they beat them, fans are going to be even happier. Hillbilly Jim is that Hogan buddy who's perfect in that role. He can get beat too. He's kind of, you know, upper mid-card, mid-card, whatever you want to say. Probably more towards the mid-card. But still, he's a Hogan Hogan buddy, perfect for that match. Then you throw in Hercules, who's an upper mid-card guy who's doing that slavery angle with DiBiase at that point. Perfect. Perfect team. Love the way it's formulated. You have every segment. You got the two main eventers, you got the mid card, you got the low low card with Coco, and then you got the upper mid card with Hercules. So it's my favorite team ever. It's the most perfect team to me, to be honest. And no, not the perfect team, Mr. Perfect, but this is my favorite team ever. So of course, with a lot of controversy going on, the team of the Mega Powers, so Hulk and Macho are the you know, the two sole survivors, even though it's really not soul, but the two survivors of the team, and they defeat. Big Boss Man, Akeem, King Haku, Ted DiBiase, and the Red Rooster. Love that match. One of my favorite matches of all time. Go back and watch it. The crowd is so into it. There's so much drama and intrigue with the handcuffs and Hogan and Miss Elizabeth and Savage. And then after they win, Hogan and Elizabeth get too chummy. Savage kind of gets a little nervous. They really, really, really do a good job of planting the seed right then and there. But they do keep Boss Man and Akeem pretty strong, especially Boss Man from that match. So it's one of those things where, okay, Mega Powers win, teasing the Hogan Savage thing, but they didn't end the Hogan Boss Man feud, not by a long shot. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's really just heating up. So, I mean, they have many, many house show matches after this. One of the big ones, I think a lot of people will remember because the MSG network is so popular. On 11-26, so a few days after this, Hogan defeats Big Bossman by countout in New York City at MSG, obviously on the MSG network, like I just mentioned. Then on 
12-3. They go to Boston Garden, which is a great uh, venue and a legendary venue. Hogan wins again by Canada. Of course, that was on Nesson. Then you go to the Z Channel. All these local, regional kind of sports networks were huge, and wrestling always drew very well for them, and they consistently put on some awesome wrestling cards. They're always really, really top-notch. If you go to the Z Channel, 12-17-88, which is the Los Angeles kind of local channel, they were at the Los Angeles Memorial Sports Arena in L.A. Hogan defeats Boss Man there. Then they start doing a little bit of, of a switch as Bossman would defeat Hulk by a DQ, and he starts picking up some wins here as Hulk's starting to get DQ'd. So you're really kind of keeping him strong, but in a completely different way, completely different manner. That was on January 13th, 89, and that was from the Nessa Network, and of course that means you're at the Boston Garden as well. They also had Hogan lose to Bossman by a DQ at the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago, Illinois. Then on 123.89, you're back to MSG. I mean, they worked MSG so much here and sold out so many shows and did such good business there. You kind of had to go back there. Bossman would defeat Hogan again by DQ, and that's on the MSG network as well. But got to mention, in between all that, the Royal Rumble 115-1989 at the Summit in Houston, Texas. Big John Studd makes his return there. Shockingly wins the Royal Rumble 1989 love that rumble it's so cool it's so great you do lose a little bit of steam when when hogan and savage are kind of especially hogan and boss man are eliminated from that match because before they get hogan eliminating the brain busters you got the drama with bad news brown and macho you've got all these awesome wrestlers i mean hulk and macho man hulk by accident kind of eliminate macho there's more controversy more uh, sparks to throw on that flame there more fuel to add to that fire right there with savage really getting in Hogan's face, saying that he wasn't trying to eliminate Bad News Brown, he was trying to eliminate him. What the hell was he doing? That was a really cool storyline there. But the real thing that was important was the Twin Towers. And you got to watch out for them because Savage is kind of pissed, not really watching Hogan's back. So that means you're pretty much going to have a two-on-one advantage here as Hogan and the boss man. It's really the main feud if you think about the Rumble. It's like, yes, Twin Towers, Mega Powers, but it's really Hogan and Bossman when you really delve into it. And that's kind of the hottest point of the match. It makes it so good when Bossman and Hogan are eliminated. And going forward, it's not as good. And, and it's not you won't see as talented of a roster, obviously, because Savage is out early. And now Hogan and Bossman are both gone. And that kind of leaves a little bit of slim pickings for Big John Studd as he throws out DiBiase last and wins. Cool moment, really shocker and very cool psychology-wise. A guy that's 6'10", weighs 375, should and could win the Royal Rumble, which Studd did. So I have no problem with that whatsoever. I like it. And it's also a nice storyline device that Hogan didn't win because of Big, big Boss Man. So we move forward. I mentioned MSG. Then, of course... The, the big, the biggie, biggie, biggie here is there's all these other house shows going on, whether it's in New Orleans, Charlotte, Auburn Hills in Michigan, Indianapolis, Omaha. You know, you go back to New York City. I mean, whatever it is, Hogan and Bossman are main eventing all of these shows, making a ton of money. So keep that in the back of your mind how important that is. I just keep kind of prefacing that because nowadays people are just kind of like, oh, house shows, whatever. You get 2,000, 3,000 people, whatever. Now, I mean, these shows are drawing 10,000 people, making a ton of money and really setting WB up for a great future. You know, giving them a ton of money, giving them the, the rights to and, and the uh, really the financial backing to create all these other shows and all these pay-per-views and add to the production and 
everything else. So they're they're very vital to the success of the company. So we'll go to possibly the biggest storyline device. Really, I mean, Survivor Series was huge. Twin Towers involved. Royal Rumble is huge. Twin Towers involved. All of this is leading up to the breakup of Macho and Hogan. Got Elizabeth in the middle. There's a lot of kind of a professional jealousy there and some rivalry there and some bitterness and some jealousy going on. So 2-3-1989, the main event, number two, Bradley Center in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The Mega Powers defeat the Twin Towers. 22-minute match. Awesome stuff. Awesome match. We talked about it in the Macho Man episode how that really is such a real storyline device leading up to the breakup of the Mega Powers. And we'll obviously go back to that episode in the archives and listen to that. But it's all about how that match the spark and ignited finally ignited the huge flame in savage turning heel attacking hogan backstage and thus having the huge buildup to wrestlemania 5 in atlantic city new jersey at trump plaza really it's a year-long storyline you go from four savage wins you're going all the way to five where savage is going to lose to hogan but that's a different episode for a different time so go back in the archives and check out the macho man randy savage episode this here doesn't mean the end of the Twin Towers because you still don't want to put Hogan and Savage in all these house show matches yet, but you still want to sell them out. Still want to make money. Still want to have people interested in it. You just want everyone kind of focus and spend all the money. And obviously they do because it's one of the biggest grossing at this point. It is the biggest and most important and biggest money making WrestleMania of all time up until that point. And really for years on end, it held that, that kind of mantle, I believe until WrestleMania 15 in 1989. So, Huge draw, huge draw, Hogan and Savage. Just insane the draw was. But I think just as important as Hogan Bossman because how are you keeping these people's attention? How are you keeping them hooked? Hogan's got that kind of now. It wasn't, it was primary, but now it's secondary feud. But these secondary house show feuds can be awesome. We'll talk about it on, on other episodes coming up. But I mean, the Bad News Brown secondary feud, the Harley Race secondary feud, the Terry Funk secondary feud. Epic stuff. They're all awesome. If you go back and watch those matches, check it out on YouTube, whether it's Philly or Boston or MSG, it's just unbelievable. The the matches that Hogan's having, the level that he's having, and the feuds you can get out of these secondary feuds and in these house show markets instead of on TV and pay-per-view. Really key, really important, very cool, great matches. So you still had Hogan and Boss Man. 2-5-89, they start the steel cage matches. Hogan defeats him in Anaheim. Hogan defeats him at the Philly Spectrum on Prison Network. And we kind of go from there to Memphis. We have another cage match from Ridgefield, Ohio, which, by the way, was where Survivor Series 88 was. Steel cage match in Boston on Nesson at the Boston Garden. 318.89. Check that out, folks. That one is awesome. That's not the blue cage that you're familiar with. It's the old school cage there. It's on YouTube. I think it's broken up into two parts. Awesome match there. Boss man is bleeding, bloody. The crowd is nuts. Neither man, you're right, moving at all. Both men hit that cage very hard. And now it appears, well, the referee is opening the door and he's coming through. He's, he's coming in to make a visual inspection. He's checking both men and both men are still absolutely unconscious. They're out. He's going to give the 10 count, I guess. Well, I think that's just a mandatory count because the only way this can be won is if they go over the top. He may summon for medical opinion here. 
He's up to seven, to eight. Nine, and the Hawks up. Oh, oh, what determination on the part of Hulk Hogan there. He shut up, and he's really trying to get everything into that body, and he's making his way to the door. The door is open, the Hulkster trying to get through and thus win this cage event here at the Boston Garden. The Hulkster, one hand is on the floor with the entire body has to be there. I can't quite see that myself. I don't know if his hand is on the floor or not. I don't think it is. I think it's just a couple of inches away from it. Yeah, it doesn't matter really because the Boston grabbed him from behind. The door shuts back again. A block. And a right hand! Another one! Hogan, after the big boss man. My goodness! Oh, what an incredible feat of strength there by Hogan. A little while ago, he was practically out, and now he's recovered. He is so resilient, he's recovered physically enough to be able to suplex that 350-pound giant. Hogan finds the chain, nails the big boss man to the forehead. And now the boss man bleeding more profusely than ever from that shot by Hogan with the chain and slicked through that in for the boss man to use, and it went to the wrong hands, obviously. Hogan, Humbleton. The boss man, the slickster. Having some words from the outside for those with idle words right now. Hand first, one side. Now the other. Again. And now the boss man losing a lot of blood and a lot of energy. And now's a good chance for Hogan to come out of his cage. But he seeks to punish the boss man even more. And who can blame him after everything that the boss man has done to Hogan? Here on the floor as Hogan tries to make his way up. Slickster has nailed the referee. And he's coming in the ring. The referee was nailed by the Slickster. And look at Slick. He's going to stop Hogan getting out. Or at least he thinks he's going to stop him. He's grabbing the leg of the Hulkster. Hogan just pushes him away. And now the big boss man starts to climb on his end. He must be considerably weakened, though, by loss of blood. The big boss man. He's traveled the top rope now. Hogan has the handcuffs. He's coming to slip with those handcuffs. Oh! One shot and Slick is down. And now look, Hogan's got those handcuffs. And he's got the boss man absolutely trapped in the top rope. Meanwhile, there goes Hogan. Hogan. He's going to the top. And there's not a lot that Bossman or Slick can do about this. Hogan trying to climb over. Slick getting over, trying to unlock the Bossman. If he unlocks him first before Hogan drops down, the Bossman will win. Who will it be? And Hogan desperately trying to get down yeah. there. And he's made it. Hogan has the 
And it's payback time right here. The Hulkster remembering a lot of things. And the Slickster is really caged up here, Lord Alfred. He really is, and Hulk Hogan knows he doesn't need a nightstick with the boss man. With a big one with Slick, look at this. Oh! Oh! Oh, my word! Slick face first into that steel cage, and he's trying to escape as quickly as possible. If he can escape, if he can walk on his own legs. official word. Well, well we, we have this belt. Hulk Hogan! Now Hulk had taken the bell and nailed the big boss man. What a gutsy, impressive win for the Hulkster in this cage event. Surely with a slickster here, the big boss man, the nightstick, the handcuffs all around. The odds were against him in many ways. They certainly were, but that was a most decisive victory there for the world's greatest professional athlete. And he certainly looked every inch of that this evening when he punished the boss man, when he really punished Slick also. And the boss man, although he's walking out with his hands held high, he lost a lot of blood and he lost a lot of, what could you say, respect from anybody here in this arena. A knock at Hulk Hogan. I love that MSG gets it, Boston Garden, and the Nesta Network, Prison Network, all these local regional sports networks are getting these awesome pay-per-view worthy main event matches like that Steel Cage match. Really go out of your way to check that out. 318.89 Steel Cage, Hogan defeats Boss Man at the Boston Garden. Then another awesome one, 318.89, same day working twice which you think like that's crazy but hogan did that quite a few times back then and they really had him working hard you work one show maybe it's not the main event but it's built up 
on the newspapers and in, in the posters as the main event, but it might be the intermission main event. So the intermission main event might be Hogan defeating boss man. And then later on that evening, Hogan's going to defeat boss man again at Madison square garden. So not very uncommon at that time for Hogan to work twice. And even his main event partner, like boss man to work twice and to have kind of maybe be the same match, but technically speaking, the people in Boston are going to see the one match and the people in New York and New Jersey, my area are going to see a completely another match, but it might be structured and set up the same way, but they were awesome. I love this steel cage match from MSG in 1989, March 18th. Good stuff there. Then of course, the next day Hogan and Bossman have another cage match in Hartford, Connecticut. Then we're going to go to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Then we're going to go to Erie PA then we're going to go to Buffalo, New York, and we're going to have another steel cage match. And Hogan's going to be winning all these matches. And it's kind of basically leading to the end of the feud. And it's just awesome just to think about it. It's like, okay, we've been leading up to this. It's got to be a blow off. It's got to be on TV. 52789, WWF Saturday Night, number 21, the Veterans Memorial Auditorium in Des Moines, Iowa. Hogan versus the Big Boss Man. In the cage, this match is freaking awesome, folks. I love it. Um, it's one of the most famous matches in WWF history. One of the best. It just really kind of, after the Hogan Savage, Hogan wins the title back. It's one of those things where it's like, okay, you still have Bossman as a challenger and Savage. Hogan's kind of got two feuds going at once, and it's awesome. I love it. Hogan obviously had been in this feud with Bossman and Akeem, the Twin Towers, for months. Leads to the split of the mega powers with Macho, but the rivalry between these teams, well, between those two teams, like I said, started at Survivor Series 88 with with really pumping it up. Then you think about the split in February of 89, all leading to May 27th. Here we are. Hogan is now the champion. He just beat Savage. Bossman wants a shot at the title. They've been having this feud for almost a year. It's just epic. Hogan marches to the ring in his typical awesome fashion. He's not aware at this point, and it's another few we'll talk about in the upcoming weeks that they're leading into. So you got Hogan, he beats Savage. That's one his pretty much main feud going on here. And he's got Boss Man. It's going to end here in the cage match. This is going to be the end of it. But what do you do when you're leading to the end of one feud? Kevin Sullivan was a master at this. Gabe Sapolsky was great at it when he was booking uh, Ring of Honor. You need another hook to keep the fans for the next few. What's it going to be? It's going to be Mr. No Holds Bar. They're going to really pump up the movie. They're going to really kind of set that thing off. So Zeus is standing at ringside and he's waiting for him on the ring steps. Very surprising because uh, Slick had cut an in-ring promo and he's introducing the human wrecking machine, Zeus. And Hogan almost doesn't recognize it or didn't hear it or didn't remember. So it is shocking to you would think Hogan knows, but he's shocked when he comes by and he sees Zeus and he kind of doesn't realize it until they get very close to one another. He no holds bar co-host and co-star. They exchange a very, very awesome, uh, one of those like poster-esque looks where they're like staring each other down. Hogan says, no way, weighs, wags the uh, finger at Zeus. Then Zeus kicks him in the chest and pummels him down and really beats him down and beats him up. Which is like, wow, bam, Hogan's going to be not able to be able to beat the boss man. He's really down and out. How the hell is Hogan going to kind of come back and be able to wrestle? He does. 
and they have an awesome match, and they do an awesome superplex off the top of the cage. Think about how nuts that is. Bossman at almost 400 pounds, Hogan at 300 pounds are going to do a superplex off the top of the cage and just throw a little kayfabe in there. And Hulk got beat up pre-match from Zeus, so he's not feeling good as it is. So think about it. Hogan's feuding with Savage, Zeus, and Bossman right now, and I love it. When you're that big of a star, when you're that you know the, the glue guy, when you're that big of a star in the company, it's pretty awesome to have kind of three feuds going on once and have the fans being invested in all of them. Hogan wins. Awesome match. One of his best. Go out and seek it. Watch it. It's Saturday night's main event, number 21, 52789. Really highly, highly suggest that one. Awesome match. It was the bridge. Bossman was the bridge from Savage. Excuse me, Andre to Savage. And he's the bridge in between. So a very, very important role. Did it well, made a ton of money, and they ended on a huge high note as Hogan wins the just still cage match in about 10 minutes or so against the big boss man in 89, leading to the feud with Zeus. Still going to be feuding with Savage as well because Zeus, not really a trained wrestler, you know, despite what you thought about from seeing the movie, and he's had some matches, but he's not that great, not a trained wrestler, so to speak, more of an actor. But you're going to have Savage there, and he's going to help him along, and he's going to make sure that you maintain Zeus's strength and hide his weaknesses. So really that's the end of the feud right there. Hogan and Bossman, many, many matches, about nine months plus of a feud, epic stuff with the twin towers, epic stuff with the mega powers. When Bossman turns face, they have many different tag matches together. They'll defeat perfect and genius. They'll defeat the powers of pain. They'll defeat the colossal connection all on house shows throughout 1990 leading up to Survivor Series 1990 with Hogan's team of Hulk, Duggan, Bossman, and Tugboot defeating the team of the Natural Disasters, Earthquake, Dino Bravo, Haku, and the Barbarian. They'll be a part of a 20-man battle royal together on Saturday night's main event in 1991, won by Mr. Perfect. Of course, they'll be a part of Royal Rumble 92 together, which is won by Ric Flair. And then Sid Justice wins a 20-man battle royal in 1992 on the MSG Network. And that'll be the last time Hogan and Bossman are in the ring together in the WWF. Of course, WCW, Big Bossman, Nitro, everything else, you will remember that. But that's a different story for a different day. That has nothing to do with the Hogan era. So really, and kind of just summing it up here, love this feud. One of my favorites. I love Survivor Series 88. I love Royal Rumble 89. Love the main event leading up to it. I love the cage match at night's main event. And I love the fact that you need a very strong bridge to hold up to WWF in 88 and 89 when you want to go from Andre and that feud and end that and fizzle that out as Andre is kind of fading off into the sunset and you want Savage to be the next big heel and you want to make a shit ton of money, which you do, and you need a bridge and you need somebody strong and you need somebody that can draw and you need a good, viable, credible opponent for the Hulkster and Big Boss Man was that opponent. So let's head to the plugs. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Two Man Power Trip. Check out the website tmptempire.com. Of course, Patreon. Patreon.com slash tmptempire. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you right back here next week for the Hogan Era Podcast. See you next week, folks. This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. 
You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron and also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies, brother. <laughs>